0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from tech Support. Well, we've got Nickel and Dime back there. I don't know if they're having fun or if they're actually mad at each other, but I gave them a little bit of catnip to uh, encourage them to stay around for a few minutes, so we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, let's do some tech support. When a bad coworker's so bad that you still have to clean up their messes over a year after they left... Every now and then, while working tech support, you come across a user so technically inept that you seriously wonder how they're capable of doing their jobs. Like, how are they not fired at this point? But it's worse when that person is someone working in tech support with you. While I generally like my workplace, there are some people there who really shouldn't be. They constantly make mistakes that other people have to fix, but they never face any consequences, so they never need to learn anything from it. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the New West. You know, morons. <laughs> <laughs> the person I'm thinking about for this post left our department over a year ago, but we still need to clean up after her. This coworker, I'm simply going to call her BC for a bad coworker, worked at my department for a long time before me. She was very experienced, but I quickly realized that experience accounted for basically nothing. I found out from a few other co-workers that she was constantly late for a long time and blamed the trains. She lived about 15 minutes by train outside of town. Eventually, a new hire found out that she lived near BC and took that train every day, and it was almost never late or canceled as BC claimed. When this was brought up to BC, she quickly stopped being late. My experience with her was mostly her asking me how to do some of the basic skills we do, stuff that she should absolutely know if she was as experienced as she claimed. And she somehow felt no shame asking me how to do that when I had only been working there for a few months. And of course, there were mistakes to deal with. Incorrect handling of tickets, incorrect information given to a user, giving users access to stuff they shouldn't, etc. But her main problem was that she barely worked at all, which was probably why she never knew what to do the few times she did. When another coworker of mine left our department, she spent most of her last day just looking at what other people were doing. And she noticed that BC was averaging around two tickets per day. And some days she didn't even do one ticket. Wow. About a year ago, she announced that she was leaving. I assumed she had been fired, or at least kindly asked to seek new employment to avoid having been fired being a thing in her resume. But no, she's still at our company, just a different department. She failed upwards, most likely skating by on her work experience. After she left, we replaced her with a new hire. And even before training was complete, our productivity actually increased. She was less useful than an untrained worker. Which brings us to today. A recent hire asked for my advice about a ticket. Apparently, a user found out that he had an account at a company where he never worked. I took a look, and who did I find? That's right, BC. Turns out that when she created his account in the system, she seems to have accidentally created an account for the wrong company first. Now, I'm not perfect. That is an easy mistake to make. And it's an easy fix. Just remove the incorrect account. Or you can sometimes move the account between companies. But the thing is, BC never did. She just created a new account for the right company and pretended nothing was wrong. The logs clearly show that both accounts were created almost immediately after each other, and that date corresponds perfectly with the date she handled the order for the new account. She just left it there, and it's been sitting there for over two years now. The company has, for two years, had an account they never ordered, which creates a big security risk as it's obviously allowed unauthorized access to their systems. I brought this up to my boss, who, as usual, started defending BC. She pointed out that since you have to wait an hour after creating an account before you can delete it, maybe BC forgot to delete it. So I showed her the logs, which shows that BC created the account on a Thursday, then came back on the following Monday to do final touches on both accounts before sending off the login info for the correct account, seemingly hoping nobody would notice the incorrect one. So now I have to be the one to communicate with the other company while they make sure that the account never accessed anything. It doesn't look like it ever did, thankfully. And more thankfully, the people who I'm talking to seem to understand that this isn't my mess. I'm just the poor sap left with the cleanup. They seem more concerned about how they didn't notice an account going unused for that long people like this have made me realize that you can never trust experience on a resume some people get jobs they have no idea how to do through experience and that just snowballs and gives them more experience which gets them the next job when they inevitably need a new one yeah i've worked with people in the construction field in the education field not so much in tech because I didn't do much in tech. I took some college classes for technical stuff, but I didn't like follow it as a career. So, but in the construction field, you know, you get guys all the time. Now, back in the day when I ran cruise, it was mostly, you know, guy would show up, ask for a job. You'd ask his experience, blah, blah, blah. Do you have transportation, a driver's license, hand tools, the basics? And they would say, yes, 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 and yes. And they would start showing up on time, maybe even early. They'd have some tools. Um... Uh, Sometimes, you know, you couldn't tell if they were like, usually the sign of a decent carpenter is having tools that look like they've been used, not, not beat to crap, but used like they're actually getting put to work, but you don't want everything, you know, all torn up and, you know, held together with duct tape either. Of course, nowadays you would have to worry about OSHA back then. Not so much. And you also didn't want the guy showing up with, you know, all brand new tools or, All brand new tools that were, you know, basically bargain bin bought from, well, back then bought from China was a bad thing because the stuff would fall apart before the end of the week. Nowadays, you can buy stuff from all kinds of countries and it, you know, for the most part, it holds up and you can't always judge a book by its cover. So, you know, you you try to feel the guy out. Hopefully you got a. I had a pretty decent sense most of the time for people that were BSing me. But yeah, we'd have guys, oh, I've been framing houses for 20 years put them up on the house, get them to work with the other guys on the crew. So, you know, I didn't have to handhold them or anything. They'd just follow along and, you know, frame this wall, frame that wall. I'd go ahead of the crew and with the blueprints and lay out the walls and windows and door openings and things like that, and they'd put it together. And I bet you more than half the time, half the people that we hired, they couldn't drive a nail right. They couldn't read a tape measure. They didn't know how to hammer a nail in right. I mean, it was just cringe all the way around. And I'm more, listen, I'm more than willing to teach guys. I would rather have you show up looking for a job. Tell me you really have very minimal experience. Like you can hold a hammer, but you know, you're you're not really a carpenter or a framer. Then I can squeeze you in, you know, learning to do the trade while you're laboring. So I'm still getting value out of this and you're getting paid to do the job and everybody's happy. And then you learn a new skill. But more often than not, those guys really weren't looking to learn new things and better themselves. Oh well. And her mouse never broke again. We had a contract to supply three techs plus a supervisor on site at the HQ of a large international corporation. I was one of the techs. It wasn't a bad gig except for that one attorney who insisted we fix an HP laser jet. This was before personal laser printers. Pretty sure it was an LJ-3. That had been dropped and had a bent. Everything. I turned him over to the supervisor and that's pretty much that story, except for the part that no, we didn't fix that printer. I should also mention the supervisor was hired for this position and as part of the deal to hire him, he was being given formal CNE training. Ain't gonna lie, this rubbed us three techs who were doing the training on our own pretty bad, but he really wasn't a bad guy. It did take us a bit to warm up to him and the story I'm about to tell helped. This story involves a user who needed a new mouse about every five or six weeks. (laughs) It would just stop working, and of course she had no idea what was happening to it. This was back in the mid-90s, folks, and mice, mice with a ball and other moving parts and stuff, weren't as cheap as they are now. One day I was helping a user near her, and every so often I'd hear a bang or a thud or smash coming from Mouse Lady's desk. This was an open floor plan department, and I saw what was happening. Every so often she'd pick up the mouse and pound it on her pad. The look on my face must have said something because the person I was helping said, she does that all day. I went back to our little corner of HQ and was telling the guys about it. When the supervisor told us to let us know the next time she needs a new mouse, he'll take care of it. And he did. He took her a new mouse one day and returned with the disassembled mouse saying something like we shouldn't be hearing from her for a while. Of course, we asked what he did and he showed us. He pointed at the logic board for the mouse and pointed at some random component grinning. See the value on that impact capacitor? He told us, you only see something that high on something that had a couple bricks dropped on it. I've been dying to try that on someone since, but alas, no one else is in the habit of slamming their mouse on their desk anymore. I don't understand the the value of what? (laughs) I don't understand. He came back with a mouse in pieces after giving her a new one. Like, did he tell her? Like, I don't know. Explain it to me down below. I'm having a smooth brain moment. That time doing tech support turned out positive for the customer. The Story of Emily. I've seen stories from this sub, another site, and finally got the nerve to post up one from my 10 plus years doing volunteer tech support. Note that all first names where used have been changed. The backstory. Myself and a buddy started up a small student-run help desk while we were both still in high school that eventually blew up to the 800 plus person workforce we have today. Wow. All of us in all departments are 100% volunteer and do it just for fun or just to keep our minds sharp as we're all either broke high school students or on disability. Given that our entire operation is as laid back as it is, corporate policy isn't as big a deal as it might be in a large corporate center for the likes of Comcast, AT&T, etc. Even though this place is pretty laid back, there are some things we just won't tolerate. This story is one of those times where following policy actually helped the customer. It's kind of nice to know that our CRM software, Microsoft Dynamics CRM 4.0, yes, we're that much of a shoestring budget operation, has been customized as follows. One, accounts called jackets are groups of one or more people, like a business or a family, etc., And that's where the security question and pin are. Two, the contracts or cards are the individual people, like Mr. John Smith. Each of these areas has a tab called alerts and warnings or something similar, which is for those things we don't want or can't afford to get lost in the normal notes. As each time you add a note, it pushes the previous ones down. So trying to find a disability alert that was placed 120 phone calls ago is near impossible unless it's in the alerts. This whole thing happened about 7 or so years ago, so my memory might be a bit fuzzy on the events. Our cast. Me. Let's just call me Lindsay for the purposes of this story. I'm your friendly neighborhood person on the phones. CX. Customer whose situation crossed my life. Let's just call her Emily. EB. Someone in Emily's life who was a real jerk. JM. Our head of security. KM, my boss and the CEO of the entire outfit. Now let the crap show begin. Everything was calm. I'd just gotten back from lunch and handled a few tickets for simple things—password resets, homepage changes, etc. And finally, my phone rings. Me. Thanks for calling Company Name Support. My name is Lindsey. Can I start by getting your first and last name, a good callback number, and a brief description of the problem? Customer gives required information. Turns out she needed help converting a Word doc to a PDF and sending it to her teacher for school. I look her up in CRM and I begin to troubleshoot the issue when in the background I hear a man who is clearly angry yelling at my customer. The customer tries to convince the man that she's working with tech support to help get a project for school ready to be turned in and if she doesn't do so before class tomorrow morning that her grade in some class will slip down below an A. I hear shouting and crying and what sounds like a not so nice situation on the other end of the phone. So I immediately message my boss with what's going on and she tells me to message head of security. That conversation goes as follows. Me, to head of security, uh, do you have a minute? I've got this crazy call, and then I explain the situation, and I've already let KM know what's up. JM says, Lindsay, yeah, I've got some time, let me take a look into it. While I'm doing so, keep the line open just in case she comes back to wrap up the case. Message me on the next contact or if the situation calms down, have her make an encrypted Word doc, OneNote file, something, and have her submit the password to that file via ticket and encourage her to journal things. If something goes really bad and she needs to give information to the police or someone similar, they can call here and get that password If she's in an unsafe situation to give it to them. I know this is something we don't normally do, and I know we don't play password vault for customers, but this seems serious. JM says, I'm down to help where I can, just keep me posted. Eventually the yelling stops and the customer returns to the phone and we finish up the original mission. And then I walk her through what KM told me to have her do. She does it and we work towards call closure, and I do my notes explaining the situation in CRM. A few weeks go by and I get a call from EB of all people. He had decided to route through CX's laptop while she was at school and came across one of several copies of the journal file and decided to call us to try to open it and that call goes like this. Me giving the standard greeting EB gives me the original customer's information and explains the locked file. I say sir there's a profile under that name but I'm going to need both security answer and PIN to go further into this account. EB gets the security question and PIN. I look under contacts section of the account and I ask for his name. Shocker, it's not there. Well, better luck next year. (laughs) Then I say, I'm sorry, sir, but unfortunately, even though you've successfully verified the account security information, I'm not able to help you because your name is not on the account and the only person listed there is Emily. You'll need to have her call us back to add you as an authorized user or create your own account. They're free, but that won't give you access to this person's account in any way unless she adds you. EB goes on a verbally abusive rant about how we don't keep secrets in his family and how he's going to have my job and how he wants a supervisor right ducking now, now, now. I then gladly inform him that I will be getting him in touch with my CEO who is going to tell him the same thing. I also explain that one, we don't store customer passwords of any kind in their profile for security reasons. Thus, we don't have it. I lied through my teeth on that one. And two, even if we did store user passwords, I couldn't disclose them without him being on the account. I ask if he still wants my supervisor. EB says, what about now is not registering? Insert derogatory name. Sir, I must advise you that if you're not going to keep the call at a professional level, I will be forced to terminate the call. As such, please refrain from using that kind of language when speaking to me. For those wondering why I didn't warn him sooner, it's because I knew it wouldn't have helped. Plus, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. During this whole thing, I decided to send IMs to KM and JM, letting them know who I was dealing with and what was happening and asking if KM was ready to take the call. She uses an iPad to communicate, so she prefers that if there's going to be a transfer or even just calling her that we check to make sure she's ready and available. KM acknowledges that she's ready and I proceed with the transfer. Let's just say it went as well as one might expect given the nature of the situation, how this guy was acting towards me, and KM's use of an iPad for communication. After the transfer, I write up my notes and send a quick email to the customer advising that there's a crap storm brewing at home and to be ready for fun times. She eventually responds asking for the call recordings and my notes from the interactions if they're available so she can pass them on to a mandatory reporter. Think teacher, counselor, etc. Normally, we don't give copies of phone recordings, agent notes, or other CRM data to customers, but given the situation, KM approved the release but to make damn sure that, one, it's the customer accessing it, and two, it successfully gets to the mandated reporter. To accomplish step one, I personally handed this stuff over to her on a flash drive at a McDonald's over lunch. And to accomplish two, I asked that she send me an email confirming that it's in the hands of mandatory reporter. Well, fast forward about three weeks as I'm dealing with my tickets, and I open up customer's profile, as she's had an unrelated ticket, and I needed to pull up vendor information for one of her devices. And right when I open up the account, I see this information under the alerts and warnings tab. Think of it like a giant employee notepad for critical things like disability accommodations, abusive customer warnings, or other special handling instructions or modifications to processes. JN, this customer lives in a not-so-good environment with a man named... name. EB is known to make threats to staff. Should he call in, do not release any information about this account or customer status under any circumstances. Should EB call in, either one, transfer to KM is available, or if that fails, immediately disconnect and don't entertain the call. Be sure to log the call and alert ESD. And two, send a follow-up to a customer via ticket so she knows to be ready when an impending crap storm. Along with per management, this customer has been keeping an electronic diary regarding aforementioned issues with EB. Should a verified law enforcement officer, social worker, or similar call asking for information, the password is password. And now the ending of the tale. Last I heard from that customer, she was doing much better. As for EB, he still calls in and causes problems for staff, including myself and colleagues, but we deal with him accordingly. JM actually told him on one call in particular, sir, good luck getting us shut down or having our jobs. We're all 100% volunteer and so you won't be hurting us financially at all. I've got more positive stories from that place, but that's for another day. Just thought I'd share this one as I think it would fit the definition of that one wild story that they should make a documentary out of. That was a little hard to track. Uh, Some of the way it was written was a little strange for me with the parentheses and carrots and all that stuff in there. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, good for you guys for A, doing all this volunteer work. That's, uh, That's commendable. And two, good for you for looking out for a customer and actually going above and beyond what was called for. Most companies wouldn't be bothered with that stuff. They may save records of stuff in case, you know, counselors, law enforcement, or whoever calls in, maybe. But you guys went really above and beyond on that one without getting totally involved. While I have no doubt that this guy was a grade A jackass, you know, there's a lot of times when you see things from the outside and your perspective is skewed because you're dealing with one of your customers. And, you know, while it seems like the situation is one way, it may actually be something totally different. Or it could be a mutual assholery. (laughs) <laughs> for lack of a better term so you know it, it's hard to tell but i mean most of the time if it walks like a duck quacks like a duck it must be a duck you know kind of deal anyway hey guys youtube thinks you're going to like this video on the screen can you click that next it really helps the channel see ya